When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking Formula One podcast. This is our review of the 2020 24-hour of Mugello. <laughs> the, first, the first ever F1 race at the circuit and it was not without incident. Two red flags, a first ever podium for Alex Albon, eight DNFs, but it was back to normality for Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton taking maximum points and heading home Valtteri Bottas in second place. Joining me are Harry Ede and Samuel Sage. What about that one then, guys? It's been 84 years. <laughs> six, four. It feels like the last time we recorded something because that was the world's longest. That is, feels like the longest race since, we were just saying before coming on air, since Canada 2011. But you know what? That was bloody awesome. It was thrilling. It was interesting. There was stuff happening all over the place. You could root for drivers all up and down the grid. There was a political message at the end. It had absolutely everything. And... You love to see the absolute banter of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate the fact that the F2 drivers stepped in for the F1 drivers today. I think that brings <laughs> the spice up the show. Um, yeah, complete carnage. And not, you don't often see that amount of carnage in F1. And even if you do, it's like in the wet, like Spa 98, not in not in beautiful, sunny Tuscany. Um, yeah, complete madness, but but loved it. Yeah, I was having a look at sort of red flagged races prior to this and found that the Circuit to Catalonia and the Hungara in combined have hosted 65 Grand Prix and never had a red flag. Give Mugello two hours and they've got two. So well done, Mugello. Well done indeed. Um, Crofty actually supplied a good fact for once. That was, I think, the sixth race ever out of 1,021 to have two red flags in one race. Yes, and we'll be discussing later on in the podcast whether we should return to Mugello in 2021. But before that, we're also going to be looking at Alex Albon, his first podium finally in the Red Bull. How would we rate his race? Was it a deserved podium for him? And also Valtteri Bottas got a great start on the first of three starts that we had. Unfortunately, not the same for the second and third starts. Was it a missed opportunity for him? Driver of the day, worst driver of the day, moment of the race, the normal things you can expect from us. But we'll start with Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri Bottas managed to get off the line better than Lewis Hamilton on that first start, took the lead um, only for the uh, for the red flag to cause a second start and then a third start later on in the Grand Prix, at both of which Lewis Hamilton held the advantage. Sam, do you think this was a missed opportunity for Bottas? Do you think he should have won this? 
How can it not be? I mean, he'll be absolutely kicking himself. He'll think that look, maybe we should just start playing Dan Tipton's radio messages in Bottas's uh, trailer because he must feel the same. Those two must be best mates. What have I done in a previous life to deserve such woeful misery? Um, is what Dan Tipton likes to say, uh, despite earning a lot of money and driving fast cars for fun. Um, Valtteri Bottas, bless him, he did everything right pretty much all weekend. He didn't put it on pole, which actually gave him what seemed to be like the better grid spot. Um, he absolutely mullered the start, didn't he? It was bloody perfect. Off the road he went, into the sunset of Tuscany, and uh, he thought, that's it, right, I'm leading around here. And we all said at the start, the guy that leads into turn one is the guy that wins this race before, you know, that two red flags turn up. Um, second red flag does come along after what was a very eventful safety car restart when the back end of the grid decided that they wanted to leave the safety car to get to the front early. Bottas was still warming his tyres up. We had absolute carnage, massive spa, old school vibes going on there with the, the field crashing beforehand. And Hamilton finessed it round the outside. It was a brilliant recovery from Lewis Hamilton, got round the outside of Bottas. Fantastic attacking manoeuvre from Lewis. It's great to see him still be able to go wheel-to-wheel with one of the best drivers on the grid when it comes to fighting and pulling off such a miraculous move on the same machinery. It was really brilliant. And then the third start of the race, often you have three three restarts, you know, well, three starts in one race, uh, comes along and it couldn't have gone worse. It, like, it's like each one progressively got worse for him. Ricardo flew past him, nearly possibly got past Hamilton as well. He did well to get back past Ricardo, of course, a, a lap or so later. But that was it. That was race over. And so that was the race where, they, where we're thinking Bottas is going to claw back points. He's managed to get in front of Lewis Hamilton at the start. The one race like Monaco that you need to do it, he did it and it all just fell apart for him. And I had to take my hat off for Lewis Hamilton for recovering, for getting better with each start, for holding on with each start. Um, the, the, the car really worked with Bottas today. And I can say there was some bad luck, but also he was also outdriven by his teammate again. So, yeah, gutting. Unfairly so a little bit, but uh, that is the way the cars are dealt. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think this was a missed opportunity for him? Yeah, I mean, he, as Sam said, he's going to have a bit of tan, tan? Dan Tickton vibes about him, feeling a bit hard done by Big tantrum, mate. No, no, I'm not it's actually saying. Richard, I believe, is his, uh, his <laughs> name. <laughs> his name. Um, yeah, he's gonna. I think he will a little bit because two out of the three starts, he actually he nailed. He nailed the first one to get by Hamilton. He nailed the second one, but was done mugged by Hamilton into T one just because of how powerful that slipstream is. And then obviously the third one, he he fluffed it up. And um, yeah, in an ordinary race, which that obviously wasn't. After that first start, we might have said that's kind of game over because I think on pace they were relatively close. Obviously, Hamilton managed to look after his tyres better in the first stint, but then he didn't have the dirty air of himself to contend with. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's another. It's another miss one, and you could tell what on that lap when Hamilton banged in that fastest lap on the penultimate lap, and just Bottas slipped back by about four seconds. Then, because I think he, he knew it's game over, and it just it's another. It must. Must really hurt having to get up every morning and be beaten by Lewis Hamilton at the moment. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I mean, fair play for him to keep turning up every week and giving it a good go. And he's just, again, he's just kind of on the wrong side. He's so close, but he's on the wrong side. And it, it got unlucky yesterday in quali because he could well have taken pole there. Um, yeah, and it, but then he just couldn't get close enough. But. Yeah, he he's on the wrong side, but then it just you know he's got to be that tiny bit quicker and tiny bit more. I thought on that second 
uh, restart, he could have maybe fought Hamilton a bit more. I know it was dif- difficult because on cold tyres, but he did have the track position going as turn one. But um, yeah, he's it's going to ruin it. And you know, uh, if it wasn't already, that championship is done and dusted now. Quite frankly. Yeah, I feel like Valtteri Bottas, and it's a fine line between misfortune and not being good enough. And where he lies in terms of different incidents is, is generally speaking, down to personal opinion. You know, we've discussed the starts a lot this year and how Valtteri Bottas constantly seems to make good starts at the wrong races and makes bad starts at the wrong races. You know, he had, he had an awful start at the circuit to Catalonia, which is a race where you absolutely need a great start. Whereas Silverstone, where you don't have much of an opportunity going into turn one, he got a great start there uh, and he wasn't he didn't have enough of a run to capitalize. And he must have just been hoping I need a good start at a race where I can capitalize. And he got it. He got it here. You know, you've got enough of a run down into turn one, as Bottas and Hamilton both proved. But if you do get a good start or even if you get the same start as the guy in front of you, it gives you an opportunity. And Bottas finally nails it. You know, you think, oh, everything's coming up Bottas for once, only for then, uh, only for then his own. The ironic thing is he had, I think he did a very good job on that safety car restart. But the problem is he did such a good job that it caused the crash, which essentially gave Hamilton the chance to to get him again on that, on the standing restart. So um, it's all right. If you, if you spin out or you make an error and you're, teammate gets past you as a result of that fair enough he has to contend with the fact that he did something pretty good and that was the reason his teammate got past so that's pretty demoralizing um and yeah i mean it came up from again yeah he needed a safety car he got one the racing gods shone down on him for once and he couldn't take advantage of it so uh, you know at that point you have to say well he was given the opportunity and he couldn't take it and this is a race weekend where bottas absolutely should have taken the race victory he was the quicker car of the two in my opinion he led every practice session he couldn't quite you know qualifying didn't go his way and it just proves that you need to be on it in both of those runs in q3 because that sort of thing can happen to Valtteri Bottas as did and you know he he nailed the race start and he still he couldn't you know as as a way that he couldn't do it. And, you know, that didn't, like you say, Harry, it, the tyre wear wasn't quite the same. You know, the dirty air was probably a massive part to play in that. But, you know, Bottas, you, you just feel as if the stars just aren't aligning for him this year. And it's a mixture of that and also him not being able to take the opportunities when they come. It's very difficult to determine what belongs in which category. But, yeah, this is a race he should have won. And, and, um, and unfortunately for him, this is why... Lewis Hamilton is the champion that he is, is that he can win on race weekends where he probably shouldn't be winning. Um, and Bottas can't seem to do the reverse. I mean, put it into context this way. Lewis Hamilton came away with the championship last season. Hamilton's already had more pole positions this year and we're only halfway through the season. And Hamilton's now won seven of nine races. I mean, Hamilton is continually getting better and Bottas is matching him. I think if Bottas, like you said, the stars are lying a little bit more. Bottas could be a machine if he just gets his head down. But every week now, he's getting out of that car after each session and being more and more and more frustrated. I think it's just becoming a bit of a snowball of anger, which is now just rolling endlessly towards the end of the season. And I reckon one more race and you can close the book on this. And ultimately, like Hamilton hasn't overtaken Bottas this year. Like 
I think that's probably the most confusing thing and the most frustrating thing for Bottas is that if you look at, say, Albon versus Verstappen, it's very clear that Albon isn't on the pace of Verstappen by a few temps per lap, and you can work to minimise that. I think Bottas has a case to say that there really isn't, in terms of pace, much between the two drivers. It's just this race management aspect that Bottas hasn't got nailed down to the same level that Hamilton has. You know, when, when Bottas has led a race, he's continued to lead the race. And un- unless things happen out of his control, he's been able to maintain it. And it, it does seem as if whichever Mercedes leads is the one that, that will stay leading. Uh, and, you know, there isn't a lot of reversing between those two positions. But, you know, a, a few hundredths of a second in qualifying as continues to be the case. And, you know, the, this red flag that we had in Mugello just seems like incidents like that are, are keeping Bottas behind Hamilton. And to a degree, like, yeah, if, if you've got four or five temps that you need to find up, it's probably much easier to to work on that and, and to know what you need to do to, to minimise it. But when it is so close, as is the case with Bottas and Hamilton, it's tough to know what to do. Can we also talk about what I actually feel was very unlucky for Bottas? Just pure bad luck. Was that when he he came into the pits at the right time, uh, I believe this was before the second red flag, um, he was right at the pit entry as the safety car was announced and then it turned into the red flag. Uh, got those tyres on, came out and the safety car was already waiting at the end of the pit lane, but Bottas was second. So Bottas had to spend half a lap behind the safety car, going safety car pace, and was then released while Hamilton was driving around at normal pace that you're allowed to do without the safety car in front of you and gets back in the pit lane and comes back out in front. Bottas was so well-timed that theoretically, without an interrupted lap by the safety car in front of him, he could have passed Hamilton due to what was going on and just was badly caught off guard. I think that just shows that maybe there were some just difficult factors for him to deal with. No, I mean, this sort of uh, was a, is a null point, sort of, um, in that when Bottas came into the pits, he was asking for a different compound to what Lewis Hamilton was going to receive. Didn't work out because Bottas came in first, so ultimately that strategy went out the window. But Harry, would you say this is encouraging that Bottas at least wants to try something different and try something to rock the boat? Yeah, I I, I really like that that message from him. Um, it shows because we've you know after a past couple of defeats at, at races, he's seen really down and disheartened. But he's he's obviously still got the 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 fire within him to take the challenge. And you know, I, like I said, I think they were pretty evenly matched on pace today, and he realised that. And having you know not got the or lost the lead, um, he needed to try something different. So. Yeah, it was kind of that was kind of something I thought Rosberg would do, like do something different, like kind of mess with try and mess with the strategy of Hamilton. Um, yeah, and I, and I liked it, and it was good to see that he was. He may he may well be saying that all the time, but we don't hear it. But it was just you know it was nice nice to hear him, you know, thinking thinking on his feet and trying something different. And uh, yeah, it was encouraging. I I didn't see his his reaction after the race, but. Um, I hope that continues because we need we need him to keep challenging because he is pushing Hamilton in qualifying and in today in the race. He is pushing him. He's just not quite there. And it's it must be so frustrating for him. Were you as encouraged by that message, Sam? Oh yeah. That that was fantastic. That was racy signs, that was fighting talk, that was 
I, I need to beat Hamilton. I'm not going to beat him as we're doing this right now. That doesn't work around this track. So whatever Lewis is doing, give me the opposite because I need to try something different. And he's thinking about it. He's strategically trying to plan out his race in order to get in front of Lewis Hamilton. And there are not many people on this planet that can currently beat Lewis Hamilton on an outright pace, lap for lap. So Bottas is looking at the other option. What can I do? More durability, longer lap life, maybe shorter lap life, but I can get in front of him and I can hold on to track position. He's thinking that as he's on the go, which is fantastic to see. Unfortunately, when you pair that with Bottas's current racecraft, it all unravels. It falls apart. Bottas doesn't have tyre wear capability at the moment. We've seen that throughout the whole season. Bottas's tyre wear is worse than Hamilton's, and it is shown time after time, and it makes Hamilton's life easy. Because Hamilton just has to wait for Bottas's tyres to fall off a cliff. A six-second gap opens up. Bottas comes in that lap. Hamilton comes in the next lap, and then they come out the pit lane, and Hamilton's got an eight-second gap to his teammate. No competition, no race needed. It doesn't matter what, what you want to, you know, Bottas. I'll just jump on it afterwards because I've got a big gap now. So Bottas needs to really complete the final aspects of his game before we can really see an absolute fight, a head-to-head between Lewis and Bottas because, you know, you can push someone in qualifying all you want. But the moment you get into that race, you can't finish a race as equally. Same with Charles Leclerc today. Had a great start to the race and eight tyres up like it was nobody's business. You, you're not competitive. You're not able to take those extra points because you just can't manage it properly. So Bottas has still got a lot to work on, but it was a fantastic sign seeing him really go for fighting talk. Yeah, and I think with Mercedes and the the lay of the land at the moment, they've got more scope. Bottas has got more. Uh, he's got more scope to ask for these sorts of uh, sorts of strategies that is going to mess with Lewis Hamilton. They just have fewer cars to contend with than in previous years. If you think back a few years, your Mercedes had to be wary of essentially four drivers in. Raikkonen, Vettel, Ricardo, and Verstappen. Um, and even last season, you would say Vettel, Leclerc, and, and Verstappen. This season, they only really have to contend with Max Verstappen in, in nearly every race. That's just how how F1 has ended up to, to this point right now. So when Verstappen, particularly when Verstappen is out of the race like he was today, it just gives Mercedes free reign to do whatever they want. Um, and that gives Bottas free reign to try something different. Um, and, you know, it didn't work out, obviously, because Hamilton um, is very good at managing his tyres. I, I assume it was a mixture of Hamilton being very good at managing his tyres and Bottas being in that dirty air that, you know, Bottas wanting to try something different kind of means that he has to pit second. And because he struggled so much, he had to pit first. Um, but it, it, I found it encouraging as well. You know, this is the type of thing he needs to try. He doesn't need to be worried about the cars behind. That Mercedes, if he if he's worried about cars behind, he shouldn't be in that Mercedes because it's good enough that it should be one two in every normal race. That that's just how it is, especially when Verstappen isn't there. But you could even say when Verstappen is there, you know, if you're not willing to to risk something, if you're not willing to, you know, give it a gamble, you're not going to beat Lewis Hamilton, quite simply. And we have seen so often that the leading Mercedes is the one that's going to go home and win the race. So if you're on the same strategy and that's not going to do anything, you might as well try something different. And when there are few, fewer other cars in the equation, that just helps Bottas's case to say to it, the engineers, why don't we try this? I'm going to finish second no matter what, so let's try it. Um, unfortunately, didn't come to fruition today. Wouldn't have mattered anyway. Um, but it is encouraging that it seems as if he will try something in future races. Whether he does or not will, remains to be seen. Should we move on to driver of the day then? So, Harry, who have you got for this one? Uh, I mean, any of them that didn't crash. So, 
all <laughs> three of them. I I'm going to go for I'll go with the general public and go for Danny Rick. Um, I think without that last red flag, he he would have been P three. Um, so yeah, so Stroll can get past him. So Stroll decides to just crash instead. Um, so Danny Rick can't get it. No, I'm joking, Stroll fans. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to go for Danny Rick. I, there's a fair few contenders out there actually, but um, yeah, I thought Ricardo into in between him and Albon, I think he deserved that podium more. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll give it to the old honey badger. Sam, what do you reckon? I mean, honey badgers are absolutely great shout. The man was pulling punches left, right and centre. I loved his fighting talk on the, uh, the the final restart. It's a shame it didn't come off the right way, but you know, that kind of, let's finish what we started. That's like, you're expecting like a powerful montage to start with some big music kicking off like a film was about to go. But, you know, maybe they'll use that in Drive to Survive somewhere because that was an epic moment. It's a shame it didn't round off to be the way he wanted it to be. Uh, gets past Bottas, great move. Really took it to the Mercedes. It was nice to see someone else taking it to the Mercedes. Um, Perez also did a really good job despite having less updates on his car to stroll. He was always there throughout the race. Uh, Lando Norris also drove really well. Kvyat kept it together nicely. I'm going to give it to Lewis Hamilton. He was under constant pressure having to manage all those different restarts, beat the one person on the track he needs to be and did so coming out on top. Um, but it's incredibly close. When, I, I love it when we end a race and I have about six names in my head that will drive the day because that shows we've had a really strong race. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I could give driver of the day to Ferrari, quite simply, because apart from Mercedes, they were the only team to bring home two cars. I'm just kidding, of course. I'm going to go with Daniel Ricciardo. Um, excellent performance, and I agree. I think he would have got P3 if it wasn't for that red flag, because even though Albon was definitely on the move at that point, he did have the Lance Stroll protection sort of in P4. So I think the amount of time it would have taken and the amount of effort it would have taken out the tyres to get past Lance Stroll, which I think was on the cards for Albon, I don't think that would have left him with enough to get Ricardo in the end. Um, as it happens, you know, even with that great start by Ricardo, he did everything he could by getting past Valtteri Bottas into Turn 1. Even so, there was no defence against Albon, and I don't think you can blame Daniel Ricardo for giving up that P3. Still, though, 12 points, another solid performance from him. He's really showing what he can do. Um, it'll be very exciting if that McLaren is capable of regular podiums next season. Who knows on that respect? But yeah, uh, good stuff from Danny Rick. I'm going to go with him. What about worst driver of the day, Harry? Um, I could go with all the drivers that didn't finish the race. Um, I am going to give it to... I don't know. I think all of the ones that did finish don't deserve worst driver of the day because they they finished. Uh, so let's give it to I'll give it to Gasly. I think he was a bit ambitious on that um, on that first start. I think he could have backed out a bit sooner. But um, yeah, I mean it was so chaotic. I, I feel harsh giving it to anyone to be honest. But um, I'll go for P. Gazel from hero to zero. What about you, Sam? Um, again, it's actually really difficult, especially when you only had 12 finishes to pick someone that got to the end of the race and deserves to be called worst driver of the day. Um, maybe Grosjean, uh, despite the fact that he was in the barrier at one point, facing the wrong way in the gravel and still managed to be on the back of that safety car and then had to crawl his way through what looked like 
uh, a recreation of some scene in World War II in front of him down that pit straight. Uh, swearing at the camera was also an absolute highlight. You love to see that as well. Putting other people's lives at risk, moaning about that when he does it on a weekly basis is fantastic. But he was so much slower than everyone else for the whole race. He was never on the pace. He was never close enough to getting a move done. Um, I feel if Magnussen had made it all the way through, then Magnussen might have even left him in the dust. That Haas car is atrocious. Um, and even Russell, who fell all the way back down to last, ended up absolutely breezing past him within a few laps. It's just, it's a shameful, shameful thing they've got going on there at Haas. And they've somehow gone from being what was fighting to be the fourth best team in Formula One to possibly being the worst team we've seen in a little while since Williams were at their lowest level. And, um, I, I, I think that drive might be gone. I think my drive might be gone for him next season. I think that we're going to see a new lineup there. So for me, Grosjean was worst driver of the day. Um, I mean, on Ferrari's 1,000th race, do I dare pick a Ferrari driver? Um, the answer is yes. yes to that, by the way. I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel. Um, yeah, he was comfortably outpaced by Charles Leclerc. I mean, qualifying was, wasn't even close. Charles Leclerc managed to, and in fairness, this was more down to Charles Leclerc's greatness, what he was able to do to get that card of P5. Sebastian Vettel scrapes through Q1, knocked out comfortably in Q2. Um, you know, and, and I know Leclerc did drop throughout the field and didn't manage his tyres perfectly, um, but he was still way more competitive than Vettel was in the race. And I think Vettel was brought back into it somewhat due to those uh due to those red flags so i think it was a bit of a nothing race for him really um he, he kept ahead of grosjean and russell how you know given the fact that that ferrari was apparently good enough to be in q3 i don't know i don't think staying ahead of grosjean and russell matters that much or really should amount to that much credit so yeah i'm going to go with vettel and he couldn't even close the gap to Raikkonen. He had a five-second penalty. He's still finished behind Kimi in the same power unit, a car that's awful, with a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Seb, Seb is absolutely checked out for the rest of this year, isn't he? Don't you think? Yeah, contract signed. I'm on the beach, mate. In his head, <laughs> he's pure Marbella. Where, where's he going next year? Don't know. Oh, don't know. I haven't heard the news, mate. I've got a clue. That does feel like about a billion years ago, by the way. <laughs> it's only on Thursday. Yeah, Video up now to hear about our reactions if you're interested. Nice. Good nice plug. plug. Nice one. Well done. <laughs> ten, 10 points to Sage. Um, Thank you. What about moment of the race? What have you got, Harry? Uh, I'm, I mean, there's a fair few, but I'm going to go for the one that made me laugh a lot was when they were trying to lift the smouldering wreck of Lance Joe's car <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> over, the, over the barrier. And it's just a lot of marshals yelling in Italian because it's still on fire up in the air and it just it's complete pandemonium um yeah that that i mean a lot of good moments in that race but that one made me fully laugh out loud i was like come on guys nice what about you sam that looked like a scene out of alien didn't it (laughs) when like they ripped the insides are all coming out ah no and then you just you're like don't look away children don't look inside this pool with the fire extinguisher all over it it looked like a living being had been torn open it was it was horrible that poor car um for me i mean it's hard to look away from roman grosjean just swearing heavily um freaking idiots i think he called them on on live camera in the pit lane uh which of course was part of the most one of the most crazy crashes we've seen for a long time in Formula One. Uh, so that whole area, I think, of the red flag was what really turned it into an absolute spectacle of a race that had everything. So for me, it was that that safety car restart with the crash and then Grosjean just topping it off with absolutely screaming it. 
I'm also going to go for a Roman Grosjean incident, um, but actually a different one. I thought his overtake around the outside of turn two was absolutely brilliant. So I'm going to go with that. However, I was very, very close to, again, picking something that actually happened outside of the race. But um, the national anthem at the start, I just, <laughs> I know there are going to be loads of nationalists coming after me as a Brit, but good God, please, can we adopt their national anthem? It's so much better than ours. It's so much better. Um, I thought that was awesome. But yeah, um, some, uh, there's so many to choose from. You're right in saying that. Moving on to Alex Albon then. So Alex Albon, after I don't know how many races he's had in the Red Bull now, pretty much a season's worth of races, um, finally got on the podium. His teammate Max Verstappen was out of the race at turn two left him the opportunity he took the opportunity you could argue he did it the long way around after making some overtakes to make it happen Sam how would you rate Alex Albon's race out of 10 do you think it was a great drive from him or really what he should have achieved well no this was what he should have achieved I'm not gonna be silly with that when you're starting fourth place and your teammate doesn't make it round lap one this is 100% where you need to finish is in third place that was his chance to finish on the podium and he did it. Yeah, it may not have been the most elegant of ways of doing it. He may not have just comfortably sat in the middle of nowhere like we've seen Red Bull do so often. In third place, just going round and round and round. He pulled off tough overtakes. He had a really difficult time starting. You know, both Red Bull drivers got out of the car and said, this car just does not start well at the moment. It does not get off the line well. And they both fell down the track. Of course, Verstappen ending a DNF. But Albon, who had to contend with two restarts falling back through the traffic, came back again. The red flag, yes, it helped him. That doesn't mean he didn't capitalise on it. That doesn't mean he didn't make the most of it. He got past Daniel Ricciardo around the outside of turn one. Daniel Ricciardo, the man that we all view as one of the best overtakers in Formula 1 at the moment, he he put it, you know, right around the outside of him. And I was impressed. I was impressed with that move. So yes, he did the absolute bare minimum that he needed to do in terms of finishing. That doesn't mean he didn't do it. That doesn't mean he didn't have a great race doing it. It doesn't mean he wasn't in a tough car that was struggling in all the key areas and still pulled off something. Yes, a little kind of thing went his way. That isn't a bad thing. That happens with everyone. That happened with Lewis Hamilton today. He might not have won if it wasn't for red flags. So for me, Albon had a really good race. I hope, I hope that he can continue with this form in a race that isn't hectic. I hope that he's able to take that forward in a standard race where there isn't a safety car or a red flag and he's able just to execute pace, use that Red Bull, and if he finishes fourth for the rest of the season, whether Stafford finishes third, that's fine by me. He could get fourth for the next 10 races. As long as he's five seconds behind Verstappen and he's backing him up, good job, Alex Albon. This was the start he needs and hoping he can carry it on. Well done, Alex. You finally got there. And out of 10? I'm going to give it a solid eight and a half. A solid eight, not not even an unsolid eight and a half. It's <laughs> yeah, solid. No, no jelly here. No jelly here. It's pure, pure. Bricks. No fluid eight point fives here. Pure solid. That's me. Yeah. Harry, what do you reckon out of ten and his race overall? How did you How did you find it? Uh, I I would agree with a, a an eight an eight out of ten. I think. Uh, yeah, it, it was what he he needed, and I really hope this now just unlocks some confidence, some more confidence in him and. Yeah, like you said, he did go the long way round about it. Um, but, you know, it was a crazy race and it doesn't matter as long as you get over the line in third or on the, in the position you, you need, then that's fine. Um, 
and yeah, and he, he did make he did make a solid overtake on on Ricardo. The opportunity was there, and he you know he managed to actually take it this time, which was which was great to see. Um, I you know had Verstappen still been in the race, how far out the road would he have been, and would he have you know even been in the mix to win? Who knows? But um, yeah, this is the kind of the whole weekend for Albon is the kind of performance Red Bull need. If Verstappen had been in the race. At least Albon would have been there to be his rear gunner, which is the kind of thing they need if they want to try and beat Mercedes on a, on a Sunday. So, um, yeah, w- with with the absence of Verstappen, I think that was you know that was the best result they they could have hoped for from Albon. So, yeah, I'm glad he's there. I was gutted for Danny Rick, but at the same time, you know, Albon needed this this podium for the for the you know going forward. So, yeah, eight out of ten for me. Yeah, I think um, ultimately any worse than third and and I'd be looking at Albon and saying you didn't maximise what that car was capable of. And, you know, that Red Bull has been, you could say, even a member of the midfield at certain races this year. But definitely at this race, it, it was the clear second best ahead of, you know, the racing points and the McLarens and the Renaults, uh, as evidenced by the, the third and fourth place finish that Red Bull were able to achieve in qualifying. Um, really, you know, it, in a race where all four of them finished, there'd be no reason for Albon to finish lower than fourth. And as, as one of them didn't finish the race, you know, there was no reason for him to get any less than third. And he did go the long way around it. Um, my problem is I, I don't think he needed to, you know, he, he had poor starts and you know you say that the Red Bull doesn't get away very well Verstappen got away well on his one and only start you know obviously the car problems meant that he immediately dropped back but without them I think he probably had the momentum to get Lewis Hamilton for P2 you know we'll never know that but he was pretty much alongside um so Verstappen on his one and only start got away well uh and Albon every single time he started moved backwards so I, I was a bit disappointed with that. And it looked as if he was trying to give himself every single chance to throw it away. Uh, and ultimately, he, you know, the F1 gods didn't let him. Um, having said that, it, it was a good race. You know, it, it was a solid race. And I'd give him a seven, seven out of 10 as a result of that. Um, you know, he made the overtakes when he needed to make them. Yes, I don't think he should have needed to make them in the first place. But the one on Ricardo was clinical. Um, you know, when he was down in was it about P seven, he did make up a few positions to to get back in contention. Would he have got that podium without the red flag? As I've previously said, I'm a bit doubtful as to whether he would have done. I think he might well have got Stroll for P four. Would he have then got Ricardo for P three? Who knows? Uh, the ease at which he managed to get past him later in the race is evidence that maybe he could have done. But I think the amount of he would have needed to take out the tyres to get past Lance Stroll in the first place might have left him without an opportunity. Um, yeah, this this was solid, um, but I don't I don't think it was better than solid. You know, I I think it was good, but not great. And Albon, I still think he needs to show uh, in a race where Verstappen finishes as well. Um, what he's capable of doing. This, like I say, this was the, this, you know, third place was probably the maximum he could have got, and it was also probably the minimum he could have got. So the only way to evaluate this race is how easy did he get there, and the answer is not very. Um, but I'm glad he got there because he, he definitely deserves the podium. You know, after after what happened in Brazil last year, and after what happened in Austria this year. You know, I do think he was fortunate to end up in those positions in the first place due to safety cars. But you know, he he was taken off 
through no fault of his own in, in both instances. So I'm glad he did get there in the end. Um, and you know, he he ultimately he was in a position where he just didn't need to make any errors, and he didn't. So in terms of uh, wheel-to-wheel racing, I should say on that. Um, so fair play to him. He, we know he's a good overtaker, and he proved it again. Yeah, I can't believe that... Um... Sorry, did someone stop playing the flute? Yeah, what was that about? <laughs> Sorry, I've got, I've got two glasses alongside me and I put one down and accidentally hit it into the other. That's it a... sounded like the F1 theme tune on the flute was about. That's how Ben finishes every point now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, take note of this, listeners. I have in this podcast defended both Bottas and Albon. Just, just remember that. Please. Yeah, I was going to say, are you feeling okay, Sam? This has been a, a weird podcast for you. It's been a weird day, okay? I had to, Imagine Jason Bourne running through a film, right? That was me running through the south of London across transport links to get back to the racing time. I was stuck in bloody Wimbledon in boiling hot temperatures. Oh, what, what a trek it was. It, what, I was faster than the restarts were at one point, so remember that image. Were you faster than Mahas? Well, who isn't? Right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, so obviously only 12 finishes today, um, and at the moment, this is this was the first race that we've uh, we've gone around Mugello, and at the moment it's going to be the only one, uh, and we're going to ask it, should it return? Should it return next year? Should it return in the future? Sam, what do you reckon? Hmm, tough question. Big tough question, because a, a double red flag race with a safety car stuffed in the middle is not what we're going to have every single season here, of course. That's not the norm. We've only ever had six double red flag races ever, so don't expect that to happen again anytime soon. Um, I made my bold prediction in our preview that there would only be 10 on-track overtakes. Now, I was wrong, but I was not wrong by much. If you discount uh, overtakes happening where someone has just put on fresh tyres and they're now passing the back of the field, there are only about 15 overtakes all race. Um, and that includes having two proper restarts. So I think if we have a full field of normal cars, no safety car, no crashing going on, I really don't think it would have been that thrilling. Um, I still think it produces better races maybe than Catalonia does. Uh, so maybe it could replace one of those. But I don't think it would go down as an all-time classic track that we'd look forward to coming to every single season. I'd be willing to give it a couple more years just to see what it can produce. And maybe with the new cars in a couple of years' time, it could really be something special. But right now, I think it would need a little bit more testing, uh, a little bit more trial work, changing the aerodynamics would help. And then maybe we'll have something good on our hands. But right now, just because we've had something crazy happen, I'm not convinced that it's going to be a great race every every single season. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think F1 should be open to returning to the circuit? Uh, I do. I think there was enough there today, and if you look at the support races too, um, to to go back and give it a couple more goes. Um, yeah, you know, today was an, definitely uh, an, an anomaly in terms of F1 races because we had two red flags, barely had 10 finishes, um, and that's not going to happen every year. But it's a. It was. It's great to watch. You know, I thought qualifying was going to be the best bit. Um, and it was great, and it was great to watch the cars go around in quality. But even in the race, we had some. We had some good action. It, it's a difficult track to overtake at. But I think even without the complete carnage, 
they there was more action than we would have seen at the likes of Barcelona. So yeah, I'd rather have, go there than go to 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 Catalonia. Um, yeah, I'd be up for I'd be up for going back. There is a bit of me, and I saw I can't remember who tweeted this saying maybe Mugello should be like a one-off race that we all remember, like Donington '93 was. And there's a bit of me that thinks that as well. Maybe this was just a special thing we should just all leave alone. Um, but yeah, I, I would be. I think there are races I'd rather go. I'd rather go to this one than other races, i.e. Sochi or Abu Dhabi or Spain. So, yeah, I'd be up for it coming back next year. Yeah, my my instinct is saying that it shouldn't return next year, but very specifically, it shouldn't return next year. Because I I think for these current crop of cars, I think we were sort of blessed with a ridiculous race today, which is unlikely to be replicated again. Um, I really like the circuit itself. It's so refreshing to have uh, a situation where drivers are punished if they if they go even slightly off the circuit. It makes the likes of Kota and and you know so- Sochi, where we're going very soon, um, it, it makes it look like a bit of a mockery. Um, you know, the second you go offline, you're in the gravel. The second you go offline, you're in the grass, and that's how it should be. These are the best twenty, or they should be the best twenty drivers in the world, in the quote-unquote pinnacle of motorsport. You know, this is how it should be. Where you make an error, you're punished for it. Um, And it's, you know, for that reason, I would like to return to the circuit. But ultimately, even though there was one or two moves, I mean, there was one move, as I've already referenced, around the outside of turn two by Grosjean. Albon also managed to go around the outside of that chicane as well um, on the other side. But other than that, pretty much every single overtake happened in turn one, which for the record, I think is a great corner. Um, but after turns one, two and three, there's no overtaking outside of that. So it would be good to come back with the next generation of cars. Hopefully they are aerodynamically, um, you know, as they should be aerodynamically, giving giving options elsewhere you know, giving just half chances at other at other corners because qualifying was a great thrill. The race itself was a thrill as well, but part of me is concerned that just the state of this race was a one-off. Um, so I would say leave it off for next year, come back in 2022 and see, see what happens then. And I mean, after going three years without having any red flag, I believe Azerbaijan 2017 was the was the last time before last week at Monza. Um, we've had three red flags in two races, which has been oh well, well done, Baku. <laughs> yeah, cheers, Baku. Um, so yeah, three red flags in two races. It's been a bit nuts in that respect, um, and it has highlighted something um, that doesn't get highlighted all that often is the is the rule that you can change tires when there is a red flag. Uh, Lance Stroll obviously majorly benefited from it last time out. No one really benefited from it today. Harry, do you think there's cause to to look at this rule? I know Lando Norris was pretty outspoken about it. Uh, I think quite possibly. I mean, it's such a uh, yeah, w- w- as you say, it's such a rarity, and we've had three in the past week now. So obviously, this is now a, a topic of discussion. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind them to. We saw it. It, Monaco, like maybe like 2011, and there were three cars going for a, the win, all on, I think it was like Vettel, Alonso, Button, maybe something like that, and 
they all had different age tyres. It was really exciting. Then it was a red flag and they all got to change onto fresh tyres and they completely took the life out of the race. Um, so I think I would be happy for them to to bring that in as a, you know, you've got to stick to the tyre. Unless it's raining, fine. You got you can change to intermediates or wets, but um, you can, you should have to stay on your on on the tyres are on. The, the race is effectively suspended. Like nothing is happening. Um, and if you need to fix something on the car that's broken, fine. But the race should resume as it was beforehand. Everyone's in the same position. Everyone should be in the same uh, on the same on the same you know conditions of tires. Um, and that you know, how about a standing restart with everyone on old tires or different age tires would be would be mega interesting. So yeah, I mean it's obviously not something they probably not thought about until now with having had three red flags um, in recent memory. So yeah, I, I think they should change it. I think they should ban tire changes in under red flag conditions we all know that there's not now going to be a red flag for another five years and this is all going to be for nothing but hey (laughs) we'll discuss it anyway sam what do you think do you think the rule needs to be reviewed Harry, it was almost like you were convincing yourself of your own point as you went through that it's like you're starting on the side you get the end you're like actually tire changes should be removed forever all right project Uh, cars calm down Uh, do I think that tyres should be allowed to be changed under red flag conditions? Honestly, I would accept arguments on both sides. Uh, you're right. In certain races, if you've got different tyre... Like, imagine if it happened when Hamilton was hunting down Max Verstappen at Hungary um, last season, right? That was one of the best fights for the league we've had in ages. It was fantastic to watch. You could see the gap shrinking, the move happened. It was brilliant. And, and imagine if a lap before Lewis got there, a red flag came out. They both got to put on fresh soft tyres and that would have been it. That would be very dull. That would have sucked. Um, but throwback to last week at Monza, Pierre Gasly gets his first win. We've got a Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz and Lance Stroll podium because it allows differences to happen. So in that sense, I really don't mind. I really don't mind. That isn't my issue. My issue is... I don't think you should be allowed to change parts in your car unless it is of a health risk. I don't think you should be able to come in and, you know, literally take off panels of the vehicle and change different things going on. If you've got a problem, you've got to learn to deal with that problem. You know, you shouldn't be able to change everything. I know it's like for like, but I don't think you should be allowed to do that. And I also think that, and I said this before we were recording, I think that if a driver is out, you should be able to bring back the third car, the spare, and they should start from the back of the grid, from the pit lane. Because I think after that first restart, having 20 drivers back in again would have been way more exciting, way more interesting. It could have been really fun to have the full grid happen again. Um, you can have think of what might happen. And, if, and those cars should be almost like the stock version with maybe no updates applied or something like that. So you don't get a guaranteed advantage. But I do think we should get the drivers back in and there should be that option to bring them back in. Uh, so for tyre changes... I don't really care because I think there is a possible advantage for both sides and it's a rule that happens so rarely that I'm all ears for what happens after a red flag because it is always exciting. When when will we have a red flag happen when it hasn't been exciting afterwards? I can't remember one. So um, so for me, I, I would rather see other rules change that maybe happen more regularly rather than this tyre one because I can see positives and negatives. I think it needs to be looked at, really, um, because in my view, what a red flag should be, well, the, what, what a red flag is, is pausing the race, suspending the race. And in my view, the suspension of a race should be the neutralising of a race as well, in which case being able to switch tyres can be seen as taking advantage, um, particularly if, you know, you haven't made your pit stop as Lance Stroll had last time out and you're able to essentially take a free pit stop. Um 
there are obvious exceptions to that rule. If you know, if a team can can claim that the tire is in such bad shape that they need to change them, then so be it. Although theoretically, if the tire is in that bad of a state, they won't be out there anyway. Um, and of course, if it starts raining, who am I kidding? It never rains at F1 races. Um, if it starts <laughs> racing, if it, if it starts raining or more likely stops raining um, and they need to change from wets to dries, that's absolutely fine because everyone on the grid is going to have to do the same thing. So no advantage is going to be gained. Um, apart from if, you know, it's, go, it's going from wet to dry, you have a choice over which tyres you want to go on. But that's down to the strategist. And I think that's fair play. Um in terms of the parts changing, I mostly agree with you, Sam. Um, you know, if it's a neutralizing of the race, they should just have to deal with this. And um, yeah, and you'd, you'd have to use a pit stop to, to check on things normally. So you should do that anyway. Unless, again, they can prove that this is dangerous, nothing should be changed. Good. Interesting to hear what the listeners think. Always interesting to hear what the listeners think, unless you're talking absolute twaddle. And I don't care. <laughs> I mean, we're the kings of Twaddle, so I'm not sure we can. We're in a position to judge in that respect. Yeah, late twaddling is our actual. The name. Kings of Twaddle was a good name for a band, actually. Yeah, go that one down. <laughs> I've already got a load noted down that we've accumulated over the years, and they're all as bad as each other. <laughs> right, oh, should we? Uh, should we get out of here for this one? It's already um, Thursday, so might be time well yeah if it's thursday that means there's another podcast coming tonight no we haven't got a race coming up for the first time in what feels like forever so we will be creating a normal podcast and video based around usual f1 topics of course so join us later on in the week for more stuff um it'd be great to have you let us know what you thought about the race at twitter and on youtube uh really excited get involved there as well what do you think Red flags, yes, no. What should be going on behind them? Good win for Hamilton, shame for Bottas. Well done, Alvin. Let us know what you think. It's always interesting to hear your thoughts. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Harry E. And remember, keep breaking light. Sports Social Podcast Network.